Yeah. Hope he doesn't get knocked out like five minutes in. Oh, that fight last <laughs> night? Are you the only one that watched it, Brooke? Or did did you I don't know if you two also watched the any fights? I only watch clips of what people post oh, on social media. My God! First of all, I that knew. I mean, don't fights cost money? Aren't they like a hundred dollars no, to just watch? Steal them on the internet. Don't. Well, we uh, pay for them, and they're like seventy-five <laughs> bucks. But last so night you just was steal free. them from Brooke. That's what you do. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brian goes to the safe and he gets all his dollar bills and yeah. he pays for the fights. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Health Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Nicole, and I am with my two lovely co-hosts, Brooke and Roe. What's up, everybody? Hey. What up, what up, what up, what up? And we also have the wonderful Kirsten Screen back. Welcome, Kirsten. Hey, guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you back. Couldn't get enough. I guess how many episodes has it been since you were on last? Do we even know? Like, I, I feel like she was, was one of like the. Seven. I feel like she was one it of was the. It was nine. I think it was episode yeah. nine. Yeah. It so nine? it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Cool. Well, I'm gonna reintroduce you real quick to any yeah. newbies that time. may be joining us. Yeah. So Kirsten has earned her bachelor's of science in human nutrition and a master's of public health both at the University of Florida. She has over 20 years of experience in the fields of nutrition, health education, and fitness. Kirsten helps busy and active adults reach their performance and body composition goals through one-on-one coaching. Is there anything I missed, Kirsten, that you want to add to that? Um, I don't sleep a lot, and I think that's it. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yes. I feel welcome, like... Welcome to the club, except for Nicole. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I do. Do I as do I sleep. say, not as um, I do. But, I mean, I feel like it's slowly kind of i don't know i feel a little bit more excited with each day and i'm like okay i'll get up and i'll stay up a little bit later but no sleep is still top priority i was like if we were always like hey good for you you're sleeping so much and we didn't know it was just because you had depression or something now (laughs) now i feel like a dick (laughs) congrats you're sleeping so much (laughs) yeah who knows it might have been a combination of both Ro, I don't want to give you FOMO or anything, but us three ladies are going to a conference together at the end of April, (laughs) beginning of May. Sick. It's going to be in Michigan, so it's nowhere exciting. Yeah, Michigan sucks. I don't like Michigan. Uh, Except except if you're a listener there, then I love it. Yeah, I'm like, I've never been to Michigan, so I just get to go ahead and cross it off the list, but um, I don't know if I'll ever go back. I well, asked someone. Cool, they have cool places. I've never been there. there, and I was like, someone who's from there. I'm like, hey, like, I'm gonna be flying into Detroit and staying in the Troy area. Like, where? Like, is there anything you recommend that I see or do? And it was radio <laughs> like silence. Canada. And, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll go look at that big lake, I guess. And you know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's. Uh, I remember uh, we went, I guess, three years ago for a friend's wedding, and um, that's when I learned that Canada is actually. Uh, Fuck, I'm gonna mess it up. South of Detroit, because of where Detroit is on the map. Because I was like, oh, well, that's north, that's Canada, and someone was like, uh, no, <laughs> look, look at a map. And if you look at a map, yeah, Detroit is like, <laughs> like because because Canada like cuts in weirdly. Um, so yeah, you can go look at Canada and then be like, my sense of directions all messed up. <laughs> so that's about it, though. Detroit is a. Uh, 
There's nothing in, town, in Detroit. So, yeah. We'll have to find yeah. some good food, though, because I do enjoy a good foodie experience. Well, I don't know what Detroit would be known for. We always for. find that. I don't know. There's um, always a good oil? There's always nice a good restaurant oil. somewhere. Well, <laughs> this doesn't sound like a good combo, cheese curds and motor oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to build mess, maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, is anybody drinking today? What are we drinking? Is anyone drinking? I brought Come the on. whole bottle with me. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm super excited about this wine because I got it from a local restaurant. Oh, banging the bottle on stuff. <laughs> uh, but it's a red wine, kind of like earthy, funky. It's from southern Italy. It's a blend of four different grapes. I'm like super into it. It's bold, mm. but like not too overpowering. Looks delicious. Ooh, that was like professional review right there. That was like <laughs> sommelier quality review right there. Has hints of lavender. <laughs> or <whatever that> <laughs> oh my god! Please no, um, that probably wouldn't taste so good. Pretty soapy, I think. <laughs> uh, what am I drinking? I am drinking. So my buddy works at Canteen here in Albuquerque, and this is like a. First of all, I didn't know it was this dark. Holy shit! Um, I didn't. I don't know how to explain it. There's. There's no. Um, there's no sticker on the can. It's just ones that they have that he managed to get canned. And it's supposed to have like hints of butter. It's supposed to be like some dark butter beer thing. Um, You're drinking uh, butter beer? See. Like we're going Harry Potter? Yeah, I was like, isn't this a Harry beer? Potter thing? Holy shit. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's definitely, I, I've never had that, but he says like hints of butter and I taste it, which is really, really cool. Um, but it's almost like coffee with butter in it is like what it tastes like. Um, and I'm normally not a fan of dark beers and this is good. Granted, it's been in my it's been in my fridge for like a month now, um, and I'm really hoping that he's like, oh, or hoping not. I'm not hoping. I don't know what I'm trying to say. That it was a a light beer because if he's like, it's not supposed to be brown, then <laughs> I'm gonna have some issues later. <laughs> so, Yikes. Ten out of ten, Isaac. That's good. What about you, Kirsten? Well, I'm boring, you guys. I have a mocktail as usual because you know I'm not a big drinker, so. Yeah. It's some fizzy water with some juice and some frozen fruit, and there we are. That's all I do. And if you gave me a cocktail right now, I'd be asleep in 30 minutes, and this would be a very <laughs> short podcast. Yes. Uh, Kirsten passed out. Sorry, we're going to have to cut this short. We did We did try to like move it back more because all of us except for Roe, I think, we were just like, it is too late. We cannot keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I would start like like nodding and rose like mm. okay and goodbye from brooke <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool well i also um have some wine it is a black pinot noir um the title is moon for you know rose future space travels um did it for oh, him yes mars and, yes <laughs> but you know um, maybe you'll pass the moon <laughs> Do you pass the moon going to Mars? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it's it's good. Oh, I got shit. it from Trader Joe's, so Rose favorite <laughs> also. Okay. <laughs> but cool. Tonight is a full moon, y'all, too. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, it Coco. is. I saw that. Has it been? It was super bright last night. Mm-hmm. Kept me up. Yeah, I think a couple nights ago, Nashville lost power, and the moon was ridiculously bright, and everyone was just like, what's happening? Like, we have no power, but we can see everything right now. 
Nicole, it sounded like you might need to move. There's a lot of stuff happening. Where yeah. You like maybe, yes. maybe come Don't further. I don't like, yeah. The werewolf like, show up tonight. I thought like <laughs> yeah. bad things happened in threes, but I think this is Nashville's fourth strike this year. <laughs> like it started with the tornado. This year, and it's only March. And then we had the pandemic and then we had a bomb and now we've had a flood. That's a lot. A flood oh, and, and power outage. That and, sounds like, like maybe, the early maybe, days in the Bible yeah. or something. Oh, God. Next is Locust. <laughs> Imagine locusts go nowhere except for Nashville. You're like, what the fuck? What did we do here? Yeah, we're out. We already had murder hornets, so there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot about murder hornets. I don't think I mean, they, they ever really, made really like never a. Showed up, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were like, like they, they saw did, one they in the U.S. and they just like shot it. They're like, nope, not in here. We got enough. Not on our watch. Well, it does look like we have a question of the week, so let's just dive right into that. Um, So the question of the week (laughs) is, are massage guns scientifically effective or a placebo? What about foam rolling also? Does anyone have any, like, strong opinions about this Um, first? I obviously, I mean, I definitely haven't done any research, but when I was going to physical therapy, they... um, this conversation did get brought up with the physical therapist I was seeing and they had said that the um, guns, I feel like, no, what are they called? Like yeah, massage yeah, guns. Yeah. 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 I, was, guns, I don't yeah. want to be like, guns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shoot mas- yourself in the thighs. Yes. <laughs> like the massage guns were possibly like too much on the muscles and they actually said to get... Um, like a car buffer, because that was like more effective and it was cheaper. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No research here. Wow. I've never done those, <laughs> to be honest, and it sounds a little intimidating. I'm going to take a car buffer the to car, my quad. The car buffer? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm but, like, uh, I would definitely do something wrong. <laughs> no. I've definitely foam rolled and it's a very painful experience and I'll be really happy if you tell us that I don't need to do it and it's not helpful. I don't know. I I have heard from others that there's no science to technically back it up, but if it makes you feel better, cool. So I have no idea. I'm going to... I'm going to let Rose speak to the science, but I'll tell you as a distance runner, foam rolling's your best friend and you don't do yeah. it and you're going to pay mm-hmm. for that. And we have a Theragun. I actually got my husband one for Christmas. Um, and whether there's nice. science behind it or not, I know I feel better. Yeah. I will yeah, say yeah. Ro, the- Ro debunked that for me, but <laughs> <Yeah>. I <did. laughs> I'm like, everything's a lie. Um, no, I, so I have a, I have a hyper ice um, that I got. I think it's been like a year now. I love that thing. Um, as far as like, you know, what, you know, the, the question is, like, does, is it scientifically effective? Like, well, like, what do we mean by scientifically? And then what do we what do we mean by, like, effective? Uh, I think in the beginning, when it came to foam rolling and then now kind of massage guns, um, the thought was, like, well, it breaks up, like, muscle adhesions, right? So that your, your fascia can slide a, a little bit more fluidly um, and so that you can feel less sore, less painful, whatever. But if you think about like meat and like how tough like steak or something can be and like you have to like beat the shit out of it sometimes like and that's in dead meat you know what i mean like so if you're using uh, a foam roller to try and like break up uh focal adhesions and and whatever else people have said it doesn't like it doesn't make a lot of sense um what i think is correct is that 
it can help with kind of um, activating or I don't want to say deactivating, but maybe lessening pain signals through neurons because if we can get like those neurons to at least calm down, then maybe nothing happens to the muscle itself, but you know, you feel less tight. You know, there's, there's not a signal that's like shooting out and being like, Hey, like we should be tight. We should be active. Um, and it's just kind of like putting you in a more, uh, quote unquote relaxed state. Um, but I don't know if there's like, I feel like there, even if there aren't studies out there, anyone who has used it knows that it temporarily reduces pain, right? That's why people do it. It's an easy fix for like, I'm feeling really sore right now. I'm going to foam roll or massage gun for five, 10 minutes. I feel like a new person. Cool. I'm going to do my thing. So it's one of those things like even even if we had something that said like, well, actually, it doesn't help with pain. And you're like, I don't give a fuck what this thing says. Like, I feel great when I do it. Then, yeah, keep keep using it. Um, but there's there's been some uh, and I, I don't know off t- uh, top of my head where where I read it. But if you foam roll, uh, you can like decrease performance. Um, and, and I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about. Uh, doing work and like at high power outputs or high intensity, like you want to be moving as, as quick as possible and you want those neurons to fire as quick as possible. So like, why would you foam roll right before to kind of get your body to relax? So, you know, there, there's kind of, uh, I'm sure like a fine line between just kind of like waking yourself up and be like, let's go. And Hey, I feel really relaxed now. I'm like, chill. My body's at ease. And now I'm going to go try and warm up so that I can squat 500 pounds or, you know, run a hundred meters or something. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's a tool that, uh, when used correctly can help. And when, when not, uh, you're going to get affected by it in, in some way, shape or form. But I love that machine, that machine gun. I love machine guns. Um, the massage <laughs> gun, you know, just like put it all up in my, my diaphragm. I like jam it into my psoas light up my back and then i'm like cool it's good to go it's just five minutes of like a full rub down you know it's awesome so yeah if it works it works for you nice yeah i will say that i had to pick up some more foam rolling this year and it's not something that i thought was necessary but after like learning more about you know training and working with a physical therapist like it d- was definitely helpful, and I don't know if you do you know much about the TFL uh, nerve. I guess it's a nerve, row. Is it a nerve? No, the the, no. the TFL the ten, tensor f- tensor fascial lata tensor yeah, yeah, fascia yeah. lata. Yeah, I forget what it is. Um, yeah, like I mean, an ice it's, it's, cream. it's not. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> or like a drink you get at Starbucks. It's not um, that smooth and not that delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there's actually good discussion on, on what you should do because I believe it's a, uh, it's a ligament, and so it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense from a structural standpoint to loosen the ligament up, right? Like muscles kind of make a little bit more sense because they can become very tight, um, and you want them to be like you know a, a smooth rubber band. But if you get something that is supposed to be structured and it's supposed to, you know, have some sort of like tightness to it and you're like, oh, let me just like roll this out, you know, that's probably not a good idea. And if you tend to have a lot of like TFL pain, then there's somewhere that is weak and that's why it's taking over. And then also you may just be moving poorly when you exercise or something. But yeah, so yeah, that's a big when, thing of Because like 
I'm a very visual person. So when they showed me like the anatomy and like where the TFL is and there was so many like nerves and muscles that surrounded it. And obviously, like you said, you know, it kind of like it's all connected with like the hips, the knees, whatever, and movement patterns need to be adjusted there as well. But it was almost like mine was almost so tight that it was like actually causing like tingling. Like it was like pressing up on like the nerves that surrounded it. And Interesting. when we went in to like massage it out or like foam roll it, it was just like the most pain I felt feel like I've ever felt. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? Yeah. But yeah. real quick, I want to correct myself. The The TFL is, is a muscle. It connects okay. to the IT band, yep. which is another muscle. But uh, yeah, the... What I said still kind of stands where there's a lot of, um, we'll say discussion about whether you should or shouldn't kind of roll that out. But like you said, if, if you find that there's like a relief when you do that, then that's great momentarily. And then you should, you know, roll out and release it or whatever you want to say, and then go and work on it so that you're working through like actual ranges of motion and strengthening, strengthening it that way. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for enlightening us on foam rolling and all things <laughs> massage guns because, you Just know. Just Google it right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's dive into the podcast topic this week. So we're going to be talking all start, about start, mass start. gaining and taking a deep dive into the nutrition considerations as well as like the training that's associated with muscle building. So... Let's just dive right into the questions. When we're thinking about weight gain, what is that appropriate sweet spot for the amount of weight a person should be gaining per week when they are mass building? So according to the sports nutrition literature, this is about a half of a pound to a pound per week. Um, Anything more than that can cause some negative side effects. And if you're someone who's in really trying to maintain your performance, you don't want to eat too much or gain too much. It can have this kind of negative effect on performance and make you feel sluggish. So we say about a half and a, a half of a pound to a pound is kind of that magic sweet spot. Uh, so for males, generally, this looks like an extra 400 to 500 calories per day, you know, if we're working towards this lean weight gain. And for female athletes, this looks like about an extra 300 to 400 calories each day. It's obviously very individualized, but those are kind of the general ballparks. And I want to um, emphasize on that, what you just said, Brooke, that it's not just about adding those calories, right? It can't, I mean, obviously we need calories. We have to be in a surplus in order to create mass. You can't create something in a negative space, right? But it can't just be, I'm adding this many calories and automatically it's going to translate into a half a pound of lean muscle mass. Cause that's usually what folks are talking about when we're saying mass building, right? We probably should define that. Most people aren't going to say, I want to gain 15 pounds of body fat. We're usually talking lean muscle mass. So we got to be kind of specific in what we're adding with those calories. What's the quality? What's the timing? What's the composition? It can't just be, we're dumping all this in and expecting a half a pound of muscle mass as a result. Yeah, everyone in quarantine was like, I want to gain 15% in, in body fat. <laughs> uh, body fat. Uh, We're all winners. Too real. <laughs> oh my God. So, Rogue. We've all succeeded. <laughs> yes. We're there. We're, we've made it. 
Um, Rose, so what is, like, what do you know about the rate that a body can actually build pure muscle? Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite things to, like, learn and talk about. Um, what I do know is that, like, it's still very much, like, a, a mystery in that there's, like, no exact way to figure that that out so i will say if anyone comes up to you and says like hey i put on 30 pounds of straight muscle mass in a year they're either full of shit or they're hopped up on helipedes uh but you know <laughs> more power to that person i guess um but it but it really does depend uh and and i was like i feel like i've talked about this a bit and i did make a post on uh my ROI health instagram on it back in, in September. Um, but I think like the, you have to kind of like zoom in first and then zoom out to kind of understand. So your muscles are made up of about 75% water, 20% protein, and then one to 10% fat and then 1% glycogen. So there's, you know, when you think of water, like obviously depending on how much you're drinking that day and what your normal drinking habits are like, that's going to affect what you think is your muscle mass, um, but it's just like the muscle instead. And it's not like you can drink water and then be like, oh yeah, I've put on 10 pounds of mass, even though it's like water weight, you know, like that's not really what we're talking about. So when we think about gaining muscle mass, uh, we're actually thinking about that 20% protein. And that's either an increase in the number of proteins or an increase in the size of the proteins that are there. Uh, which one comes first? I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if the science really knows, um, but there's a lot of stuff that's in like constant play there. But, uh, you know, everyone hears protein is like, cool, like we all love protein. We know what that is. Uh, I know what muscles are made of, but like what are muscles really made out of? Uh, I think most people who know muscle uh, know that myosin and actin are like the main contractile protein. So if you've ever heard about the sliding fil filament theory and how muscles move, you know, there's a connection and a break between myosin and actin. And that's really all you, you need to know for 90% of the population. Um, but going deeper, you also have like regulatory proteins like tropomyosin and troponin, uh, structural ones. And a big one is Titan. We just found that one, I think within the past like 10, 20 years. And then uh, customeric ones, which I'm not even sure what they do. I think they just kind of like float around. Um, so any change in an increase in muscle is a change in any of those things, whether it's the size or uh, the number of them. So cool. That's great. But, you know, how do we actually increase that? Uh, everyone knows you got to train, you got to eat, you got to sleep, you got to do all that stuff. But even if you get perfect sleep, you never miss a meal, a meal of perfect macros, by the way, uh, you're never under any stress you never miss a training session, you made sure to train effectively every time based on the progress that you've made, uh, and you never got hurt, you may be able to increase muscle mass by like 10 to 15 pounds in a year. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, in like eight weeks, I put on like 10 pounds. And it's like, no, zero chance. You know what I mean? Uh, even if even if you did put on 10 pounds of like lean mass, again, that could be water, it could be glycogen in the muscles, but it's very unlikely that it is like straight muscle mass, which is what people uh, are always looking for. But anyway, 10 to 15 pounds. And if we use upper range of 15 pounds and we break that down, that's about a pound a month and about 0.02 pounds a week. If everything was perfect, if it was linear, 
You know what I mean? And so if you look at um, what Brooke and Kirsten said not too long ago, where you should or you can gain 0.5 to a pound, if that's perfect, right? And there is no like, and we'll get into this later, like dirty bulks and, you know, just eating a lot and whatever, then that number probably goes down because like we're not a perfect system. Um, So even keeping that as all being perfect, that's only like a fourth of the weight that you gain throughout the month is specifically muscle mass. And then again, that's based on what what we know and, and the technology we, we can look at. So a DEXA or something is going to show an increase in muscle mass, but it isn't really going to show whether it's like water weight, whether it's glycogen, whether it's full protein. And you only really get that if you do a full muscle biopsy, but then you would have to do that for every muscle <laughs> in your body and, you know, be able to qualify that. And, and so it's like, it's not, it's very difficult to say, you know, whether or like what the range is. And then as a final note, even if you got all of that right, you slept perfectly, you know proteins, you know what's growing, blah, blah, blah. You are affected by your training age, how you're training, your actual age, the environmental factors. And unfortunately, if you have parents with subpar genetics, then you are also going to have subpar genetics. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try, right? And if you were like a family just full of smaller people, but then it's because they never exercise, right? Maybe you're you're the big one, and it's like a it's a hidden gene, haha. <laughs> Good for you. Um, but it it is largely affected by, you know, your actual muscle fiber composition, um, and that's gonna you know dictate how you should train based on blah 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 blah, um, and it will affect how how much muscle mass you actually gain. Um, if you are newer, you're going to gain a lot more muscle faster than if you've been doing it for a long time, which is really great when we talk about like getting people to buy in and they're like, oh, fuck yeah, I've made like huge progress. Like I can see my biceps and people will call you out and be like, bro, you're looking huge. That's awesome. What are you doing? And it is great. But at some point, the gains train does slow down and then people get discouraged. So, you know, big takeaway here is stop being impatient. This shit is not linear and it takes a lot of time even if you are doing every single thing right and you are natural. So long answer. Yeah. I was going to say, Ro, how hard was it not to just erase all of that and say, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Well, because how late would that be? They're like, cool. depends on what. Like, exactly. Well, They're uh, like, this man you're right. knows nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's well, all of it. Think, That's all I school think... is. It depends. <laughs> That so will be ahead, the entire start. length of every one of your podcast it's episodes. It's so true. That's <laughs> pretty much anything, right? Every nutrition yeah. topic, probably also ex- every exercise topic. But, Ro, I wanted to say I love what you said about the minutia of you'd have to get into a true muscle biopsy to see how much of it is actual protein gain within the muscle. I feel like, in Nicole, or not Nicole, well, Nicole, you too probably, but Brooke, you probably hear this a lot. My clients always want to know the specifics, right? Like, well, how much of what I just did was fat and how much of what I did, like, who cares? Yeah. In the end, does it really matter? We're looking at overall body composition. How are you feeling? How's your output? Visually, like aesthetically, if that's a goal, sure, we want to see improvements, but Let's look at power output. Let's look at strength output. Let's look at performance. Let's look at sleep. The minutia of it, like we can put you in a lab and we can cut up your cadaver and we can analyze all of that. But in the day-to-day application, like how realistic and how, (laughs) right, 
Right. Like how realistic and how tangible and how important is it? Like sometimes I feel like we have to get out of our head in that stuff. Yeah. And then, and then going even further than that, like sometimes it's that you want to look bigger, right? Which is fair. Absolutely. You should look however you want to look, but sometimes the, the best or the most efficient way to look bigger is to become smaller. And by that, we mean like losing fat. Because if you have less fat, then the muscle shape is going to be more prevalent and then you're going to just look bigger. And so, you know, is it going to be better if I want to look a certain way? Should I lose 10 pounds of fat or should I actually gain muscle? And that's, you know, a conversation you have with someone who's knowledgeable, your coaches, your dietitians and things like that. Um, But yeah, one of the easiest ways to look bigger is to lose fat. Like, (laughs) that's just it. It's a good old illusion. Well, and speaking of the illusions, and we're going to talk about this, I think probably, but, you know, add, make sure you have your carbs because your carbs are going to suck in that water and that water oh, yeah. in your muscle is going to swell your muscles. So, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to, to sort of affect the aesthetics of it. Yeah. And like you said, we just have to know what we're after. Are we after power? Are we after strength? Are we after aesthetics? Like these are different goals that are, you know, overlapping goals, I guess, but it's not, the solution's not always, let's make sure we get 15 extra pounds of muscle on you. Cause that's a long ass road. Like you just said. Yeah. Well, not if you have a tub of creatine a day, uh, which is what I <laughs> advise all my people. <laughs> high science, I'm, whatsoever. I'm pretty you get a sure whole tub. <laughs> I'm pretty sure your nephrologist is not on board with that plan. I don't even know what that word means, so I don't <laughs> care what your nephrologist says. No, definitely don't do that. I don't advocate for that at all. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Well, now that Ro has painted this very realistic picture of, you know, dismal. what what may or may <laughs> yeah, not dismal. happen. We'll never get as big as you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Let's break down And that. the end. Happy afternoon to you. <laughs> there you go. It's over. But let's break down the macronutrient distribution range that um, Brooke or Kirsten, you would kind of like dive into with your clients. All protein all the time. No, I'm kidding. So much slayer. That's what everyone thinks, though. Everyone thinks, you know, that protein is what we need to build muscle. And, you know, based on what Roe even just explained, we can gather that's not the case. Um, Carbohydrates play a really big role in, you know, muscle growth and development for a lot of reasons, because our body likes to use it for fuel to even put in the work to gain the muscle. But I'm going to start with protein Um, first. This is going to vary based on your body weight and your training style and intensity. Like primarily, are you endurance-based or are you strength-based? There's a lot of different factors. But this range is generally 1.4 to 2 grams per kilogram. Per, per kilogram. And I want you to notice that even during a muscle building cycle, you do not need to be stuffing yourself with one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Don't do it. It's not necessary. It's expensive to eat that way. Protein is always the most expensive thing on a grocery list if you've ever kind of like broken down the cost of your monthly grocery bill. Um, and it's really hard to consume that amount of protein. So it's it's not really necessary. Um, based on research, good news. Uh, fat intake is recommended you know, pretty much in all situations to stay in between 20% and 35% of your total daily calories coming from fat. This is really important. Um, You know, we had the low fat craze come in, I think in the 90s, that was really the big thing. But it's a really important macronutrient to help absorb fat soluble vitamins. And that's just a tiny little piece of 
the puzzle. So that 20% is a hard minimum. You definitely need to be meeting that in all situations, if not more. Um, carb intake is also, you know, based on body weight, very variable depending on training style, duration, intensity, how many times a day are you training? There's a lot that goes into that. And that one's really important to dial in because you have to make sure you're maintaining adequate glycogen stores and making sure you have enough to resynthesize those glycogen stores as needed based on your training schedule. And I want to jump on that, Brooke, what you just said about the um, the carbohydrate and the protein piece. It's so huge, right? Because first, everybody thinks we got to just up the protein, up the protein. And it's not just the power lifters and the mass builders and my clients that ask that question. My endurance folks ask that same question. Well, don't I need to have this much and this much and this much because I'm doing this marathon or whatever? Carbohydrate is such a more important player in the outcome of whatever we're putting in um, because it's it's just what's going to energize our muscles. If we can't train adequately without adequate energy, none of it matters, right? So it, it's so much more than just the protein. The carb intake plays a role in energy production. It plays a role in recovery. And if you can't produce output because you're not recovered, you can't produce muscle exhaustion. And I'm sure Ro will back us up on that. If you can't exhaust the muscle, the muscle's not going to be challenged Agreed. to grow. There you go. See? So if we can't, if we don't have output, which you're not going to have on a low carb diet, you just won't have adequate output. You just can't do it because that's just not how the systems work. That's a physiological fallacy. Like it just does not work. So if that's not in there, you're not going to grow the muscle. But the other piece of it too, just that, that dump truck load of protein is not going to get used the way that everybody thinks it's going to get used, right? Like everyone thinks if I put all the protein in there, all the protein will go to my muscles. And there's sort of a threshold. There's a cap on what your body can do at any given time with that protein. And I don't want it to be mistaken that I'm saying that your body won't use all the protein. It sure will. But whatever protein it can't in that moment use for muscle synthesis, it's going to dump into either immediate you know, fuel use, which is unlikely because your body prefers to use carbohydrate or fat for fuel. So it's probably going to convert it and store it as fat, which because it's going to be excess, it's not mm-hmm. going to be usable, which is completely not the point if you're dumping all that protein and your goal is muscle gain, right? So now you're having this extra, like Brooke just said, it's expensive. It's also hard to digest and just get in because it's it's a harder macronutrient to consume and you know utilize. So it just kind of defeats the purpose. It's it's a it's an effort that is wasted that could be applied toward getting in adequate of you know ad- adequate amounts of carbohydrate and fat to make sure you're supporting your body through the process. Yeah, nineteen-year-old Ro would uh would like to agree. Um, it is very <laughs> difficult to eat that much protein all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it is. Ro, so, well, yeah. I want to eat your whole bag of chicken right? again. It's... Oh God, man! The <laughs> thought just makes my stomach hurt. How did you do that? That's crazy. Uh, you know, thanks, bodybuilding.com. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on them. But that's a huge piece of the puzzle, Kirsten. Like, the protein distribution, people have a really bad habit of probably one of the most common things I see is backloading calories at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's my 1,000-calorie meal. Like, I'm a champ for downing all this food in one sitting. And I'm like, no, no, no. You've got it all wrong, and you're torturing yourself for absolutely no reason. It's better if you have your protein four to five times throughout the day if you really want to optimize the adaptive response of muscle. So I definitely think there's layer, there's levels to this shit, right? And I think, you know, we're talking about calories, macronutrients. You know, then we've got this nutrition timing because it certainly needs to be strategically distributed across the day. And then um, – and, and I do recommend, you know, working up to this in those levels. And this is kind of how I work with clients too – 
what does it matter what your protein looks like if you're not even in a calorie surplus? So a lot of the times it's kind of like getting people to just like chill out for a second. Let's master level one. Let's get some good calorie consistency. We'll level it up and we'll do some macros and then we'll level it up even further and we'll do some like dialed in nutrition timing stuff. Yeah, totally agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, when you look at coaching someone, right, if, if right now, the the best way they're going to build a habit is maybe eating that like big load before bed then that's kind of what happens right now right but like you said there's levels and you eventually want to move away from that so if you are listening and you're like oh shit that's what i do like if that's what you need to do right now to get by very cool keep that but they're right in saying that it is more optimal if you do it multiple times throughout the day um, but that's really, you know, if you have a lot of all those other boxes they talked about as well that are checked off. So I'm all for I always tell my folks, little habits. Yeah. And I want to, what you just said, bro, it's so important. I always tell my folks, we want to lower stress and increase nourishment. If, if changing the nourishment pattern increases stress, we're defeating the purpose because now we're talking about hormonal responses and other things that are going to just, your body's not going to be able to do what you're asking it to do. So my goal is always low food stress increase nourishment, and we will find opportunities where we can add that in without disrupting the flow of your day. So if we're currently that person that's backloading the thousand calories, sure, let's start there. But where can we take a little bit of that and dump it somewhere else so we can start moving in that direction, which is why we do little things at a time. We don't do a massive revamp of the entire day because it's not going to work. It's going to disrupt your flow. Your stress is through the roof. And now nothing is going to work because your body cannot adapt with that. It won't work. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so, uh, I have a comment, I guess. Um, one, if you were doing resistance training uh, a lot, right, then you are also increasing the muscle protein synthesis kind of turnover rate in a net positive. So you don't have to eat as much protein as you might think, or as, as, uh, people might, might tell you. So that's also something else to, <laughs> to consider. Yeah. Uh, and then also like, if you are very hungry, even though you're, you're like hitting, what you think is a lot of your protein goals and maybe it's too much, then you can be happy or you should feel better knowing that if you're still training, you can cut some of that protein out and you're not going to affect the, you know, the synthesis level as much as you might be thinking. And that's like, again, the minutia, but like, if that's in your head and you're like, no, I need this because otherwise my protein's not turning over, (laughs) whatever, dude, uh, you know, keep training hard, but like, that's not something you should, you should kind of worry about. Um, I do have a question about, cause, cause you, you, we've talked about kind of macronutrients and, and the percentages, I guess I can't think of the word, but does that, you know, I, I know that this is specifically, we're talking about like gains, right? Making, mm-hmm. uh, muscle hypertrophy. I don't know. I just brain farted there, but you know, how, how is, I don't even know if this is like worth asking because it's kind of in the same vein, but like for resistance athletes or like people who are really just trying to lift weights, right? How is this different than like, I guess I'm, I'm wondering like, how is it, how is it different? Maybe my question doesn't make any sense. I'm going to edit this out. How is it different if they're, if they're hardcore know. bodybuilders versus yeah, just yes. your recreational strength person? Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take a shot at this, Brooke. You can, you know, feel free to uh, to agree or disagree. But I'm going to tell you, it's not much difference. Um, it all comes down to total volume in my book. It comes down to total volume of output, total volume of calorie needs. First of all, always are we meeting energy needs? Always. And then we look at protein needs, but the math doesn't change. We still use the same parameters per kilogram of body weight. We can get specific and get into lean body mass versus fat body mass if we do have those details on an athlete. But yeah, if this is somebody who's, you know, we're talking about five, six hours a day of, of true, you know, being in the gym and moving weight, then we're probably going to be in the higher end of that, but not necessarily mm -hmm. because the goal is bodybuilding, simply because the output is on the higher end. It's kind of like when I work with my, mm -hmm. with my running athletes, right? If I have a runner who's running an average of three miles a day, we still use the math. We still use, you know, the 1.2 to 1.4, whatever it is for my right. runners. But then if I have a same runner who's running 10 miles a day, we're just on the high end of that spectrum. So the, the logic doesn't change and the approach doesn't change. We just make sure the input supports the output. I honestly... Straight up, I don't work with um, competitive bodybuilders. <laughs> I don't. I don't work with competitive bodybuilders because um, I don't want to diminish the amount of work that goes into that sport. I just think, like fundamentally, I disagree with the, the way um, a lot of the tactics that are commonly used to achieve Fair. certain aesthetics. Yep. And I know traditionally they really taper back carbohydrates to a crazy yes. level and they're manipulating body water in a, a crazy way. Um, so I don't really have a good answer just <laughs> because I really believe more in supporting the body for fueling and performance. And I do believe in supporting aestheticals. Like if you're, if that's important to you and like, I I'm all for it for that. I will chase that. But I always believe that performance and how you feel should be number one the aesthetic should be number two. And that just doesn't align with bodybuilders. So I don't have a lot of experience really working with that sport. Yeah. That, uh, great that's answer. a great answer, Kirsten, but mm -hmm. also like makes a lot of sense, bro. Like, you know, it, I think things are getting better now with, you know, people like Schoenfeld, uh, Lane Norton and people who are like, Hey, there's a way better way to do this than just kind of like cutting a bunch of shit up. But you're right. It's still like the main goal there is not, performance it's you have right. to look it's a certain mass. way and, yeah. and you have to do it in an extreme way that lasts like a week you know what i mean because you right. you will die <laughs> if you keep that any right. any longer um i watched yeah, well i was great. friends with a bunch of bodybuilders in college and i watched what they would go through you know and i was just like yeah. you are losing your mind by the end of this because you're so depleted and deprived your when you smile, your gums and your teeth bleed. Like yeah, that was there has to be a better way to do this. Yeah. And I do. <laughs> I love Lane Norton. I know he's into you know competitively doing bodybuilding and powerlifting, but um, I would trust his way over the way that I saw a lot of my friends go about it. They were winning competitions, they were holding national titles, but I'm just like, at what cost to your body? Yeah. You know, like they've really some of them have done permanent damage, like yeah. to their cardio, like you know, system. And I'm just like, oh no, 
So that's kind you of get like a trophy, little backstory. No money and hypothyroidism. So yeah, well, I was just gonna say like the metabolic impact of it, right? Of that like extreme deprivation, especially the fluid manipulation near the end when you know we're, yeah. we're talking thimbles. Of, you may have a thimble of water today in the last three hours of your day. And, Nine thimbles. You know, like there, right? There, there, there's, I mean, there's long term impact. It's, it's and especially then if you want to go back to like you come out of that and you you see a lot of them if they come out of competition phase and now we're going back to a norm and you're body's just you know everything's just fucked (laughs) you're trying to recover from that and then you go into the next cycle i mean there's there's a lot of impact there for sure definitely yeah um ro i know you mentioned it earlier um you know that term dirty bulk what is everyone's thoughts on dirty bulk versus clean bulk camps dirty bulk forever okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Eat whatever you want all the time. It doesn't matter. No, I uh, I think it depends on on the person, obviously, because you're gonna have people that are like, eh, in my experience, like, hey, like, I don't, I don't want to like change anything. I just want to like get bigger. Like, okay, cool. Like, if if you are all right with A, B, and C, then just and you are someone who is like skinnier and smaller and just like very active. Eh, whatever, dude. Like, just eat, eat, because that's like the easiest answer you can give to someone who is a and I'm I'm air quoting a hard gainer or someone who like struggles with putting on just weight in general. Like you get to have all the fun in the world. Just eat whatever you want and then stick with whatever happens. Um, obviously, like I'm not a dietitian, right? That's just the easiest advice you can give to someone is train hard, eat more. Like that's it. Um, but I think it it really boils down to like the person, how much effort they're willing to put in and in how much time. Because if you're like, I'm trying to gain just weight overall in six weeks and it needs to be 10 to 20 pounds and you ask questions about like why are you sure blah blah and they're like yes i had this whole plan whatever then it's like bombs away you know do what you gotta do whatever but if it's like hey i I need it to be three pounds in six weeks and it has to be you know this amount of fat this amount of body mass then you then there's stipulations right then you might lean towards the more and I know we don't like these words like clean and dirty bulk, but then you kind of like should fall a bit more into, you know, the clean bulk or whatever. Um, those are my only real opinions on it. Uh, I don't fall. I, I, for me, it's like if you love to eat and you are not concerned about whatever, then do it. But, you know, I'm also not a dietitian. So <laughs> that's that's my initial thought process. So I am a dietitian, and I'm going to stray yeah. from Roe just a tiny bit in my answer. Just a little bit. <laughs> just, just, just a smidge, just a smidge, about a 10 to 15 pound fat gain smidge. Um, so my goal with my athletes is always long-term support of health, right? Like A, is it sustainable? And B, are you going to be healthy in the process? Because yes, we're talking about body mass manipulation and you know fat in and lean muscle on and all of that, or fat out rather than lean muscle in. But that's just part of the equation because the goal is never to also affect other bodily systems in a negative manner. So for me, the goal is always, and I know I'm talking with several other dietitians here, so y'all jump in and let me know if you're 
if you're in agreement, but my goal is always to make sure we're meeting nutrient needs, right? And we're meet, we're supporting the cardiovascular system and our liver values stay okay. And our kidney output stays okay. And all those other minor things that, you know, keep us alive, like that's important to me. Um, so I don't, I'm not a big fan of just throwing garbage at the system. That, that doesn't mean we have to eat clean. I hate that terminology because what does that mean? Like you washed your produce. I don't understand what that means. So like my goal is it has to be a balanced intake. We have to support all the systems. We have to hit all the nutrients. And yes, we have to eat in a surplus. And that's easier when we have calorically dense foods, but we can't just throw garbage at the system. And the problem also becomes the after part. If we do gain by just throwing garbage at the system, now, not only do you have to go through all that unnecessary stress that you just put on the cardiovascular system and also your gut microbiome by, you know, like we don't talk about that, but that's a massive issue that happens. You're killing all the good bugs, which in the future is going to reduce your ability to lose body fat because if you don't have the right bugs in your belly, it doesn't work. Nobody ever talks about that, but that's a fact. So the chance, the chances are, if you threw the garbage at it, the person gained all the mass, the person's now going to want to lean out. So now we're going into a deficit and restriction, and we're going through the cycle where we're working at it in a longer fashion than we were really planning on working on it anyway. So why not just take the route of the middle ground where we're eating mostly the right foods, we're putting ourselves in a surplus in whichever way we can, we're still enjoying the fun foods, the foods that we just want to have, but it's livable and it's permanent. It was a very long answer, Ro, but I'm sorry I had to... Uh... I had to give you the dietitian answer. No, no, that's that's also the answer I agree with, you know, <laughs> but I'm just like, I don't know you more. I don't have time for this. <laughs> that's why we have jobs. Yep. I'm definitely with Kirsten on this one. I do think the the truth lies somewhere in the middle and that balance is going to look different for everyone depending on, you know, who you are and what your life is like. And there's a whole lot of different variables. I definitely hate the word clean, but I do think that um, when someone is talking about just eating what we would stereotypically call clean foods, which a lot of the times tends to be this like paleo style situation, if you're trying to gain mass, what happens is it's really hard to take in that much food. It, like the volume of food when you're eating just starchy vegetables for your carbohydrates, it's a lot. Okay. People think like, oh my God, potatoes are so high in carbs. Actually, they're really not. Um, healthy whole grains should certainly have a place in the diet. Um, they're not bad. Um, and I do think just the sheer volume of food can be really hard to tolerate for people. So I, I think that the, the answer lies somewhere in the middle, you know, like, you know, Kirsten outlined with, we're eating fruits and veggies, lean proteins, healthy fats, whole grains, and we're still having foods we enjoy. Um, you know, I think sometimes a brownie is just good for the soul. I eat them, you know. I'm a normal human. I know everyone's like, oh, dietitians, they only eat salads and rabbit food. Absolutely not. Um, I think that that balance is important for mental health just as much as it is for physical health. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely do not have any expertise in this area of like mass gaining and bulking, but um, I feel like it would be so much work, like you said, Brooke, of eating that much food. And I don't even like know what it would feel like mentally, I guess, because I feel like you would almost see eating food as a job. So I feel like that yeah. you know, almost like satisfaction part gets taken out. I don't I don't know what y'all have seen. Satisfaction is just throwing in hot sauce and you're like fuck yeah, yeah this is it this is all i'm putting on my bland ass chicken and rice and broccoli oh my god is this 19 no. year old row speaking 
Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not me. Sounds... No, it's yeah. not current experience. Row. Uh, current row loves all foods. Uh, but yeah, just being like, sweet today, I get mustard. That's exciting. So yeah, <laughs> I agree. Nicole takes away the fun of you know being a human and, and eating. So <laughs> do not advise. Mm. I mean, I guess that kind of goes into like the next question too of with that nutrition aspect what are some of the biggest barriers y'all see to mass gaining um well i think brooke you just kind of touched on it one of the biggest issues is just physically being able to get that surplus in because like rose said you know it sounds amazing like i get to eat whatever and all this it's hard like it's really hard to eat enough food to initiate that kind of surplus, especially in someone who is active, right? And we're mostly talking about folks who are actively lifting. Um, there might be some other thing, you know, cardio going on, they might have active jobs, like you're not sitting on your ass all day, you're doing stuff. So it becomes a physical issue of trying to get that in, um, especially if we're not talking about just, you know, the cheeseburgers and the donuts and just eat to your heart's content, all the garbage, like we're talking about somewhere in the middle, it becomes hard. But I also think and, and Nicole, you just said this, it's a mental thing. Like, I actually think it becomes a mental barrier, because people expect that immediate result, which is kind of like with weight loss, right? Like someone I started this thing, why am I not seeing all the results five days later? <laughs> or, you know, like I've started this thing. How come a month in, I haven't gained 15 pounds of lean muscle tissue? So it becomes this mental, like, we try to talk in absolutes, but there's nothing, there's nothing ever in nutrition. I can say that as a blanket statement. This is the only absolute in nutrition. Nothing's ever absolute because it's always a, it depends. How did the month go? What happened hormonally? How was your stress? How was this? How was that? Nothing's absolute. So we kind of got to get out of the minutia and just remember that there's a ton of nuances and we have to do our best at navigating those. Yes, 110%. I love that you bring up that this isn't linear. This is a hard conversation to have with clients to weight loss or weight gain. There will be some fluctuation. As long as you're consistent and we're trending in the right direction, that's a win. And you've just got to trust the process and really be committed. Because even if you do everything right every day, it's still not going to be a pretty linear experience. It's just not. Um, and I think accepting that and learning to be like cool with that and it, it makes it way, way easier. I think one of the most common things I work through is definitely like total volume of food with clients. That's hard when you're working and like eating that much when you start to get up there. And I think getting creative with food, uh, they have a tendency to like pigeonhole the same meals and the same things because they know that's how they get to this target. And so pretty easily it becomes bland and boring. So I would say that's a pretty big barrier too. Yeah. How, I guess, how do you think that y'all overcome those barriers with your clients or like, what are the biggest things that you are your go-tos when you're seeing these, these hard points come up? Yeah, great, great question. I'm going to say the first thing, work with a professional on the nutrition side and the fitness side, right? Like you have a goal, don't just arbitrarily flounder about and try to, you know, throw some things at the wall and see what sticks. Like if you have a goal, the easiest way to get your goal is with a plan. Um, and the easiest way to have an effective plan is to do it with someone who knows what they're talking about. So the goal is always to have a tailor to your individual goals. And whether we're talking about an endurance person where we get very specific with, you know, we're, we're going to start timing of meal intake, and we're going to do timing of fueling during your marathon, the same kind of thing to a different 
you know, the flip side of that, the same, same thing, but to a different degree, we need to do with a mass gain athlete. It sometimes has to be structured and it sometimes has to be scheduled. And like Brooke just said, it's so hard to get this amount of food in. We have to get creative. We have to get creative with timing, with types of foods. You know, we have to get specific and we have to get purposeful. We can't just randomly try a bunch of things and try to get to an end result. Yeah, I, um, so, so Brooke, I know that we have a, a client who, cause, cause he, he messaged me and he was like, man, this, this whole eating thing sucks. And I'm like, yeah, like I just, I just tell you to work out. You know what I mean? And he was like, how do I fix this? And I was like, actually this, you should definitely talk to Brooke because that's her, obviously your wheelhouse and imagine them paying for a service and asking someone else and being like, how do I do this? Like, I don't know. Don't listen to her. But the question I'm really as, asking, or I want to know is like, you know, how did you go about that conversation? Because yeah, eating a lot more than you're used to is difficult, especially if it's like new eating habits and, you know, you are trying to be a bit on the, you know, cleaner side, even though we're not trying to use that word. Um, we should definitely come up with uh, two better words, by the way, because I'm sick of being like, that's not what we mean. Um, but yeah, what kind of advice do you give to those people so that, you know, it doesn't like mess them up mentally completely and and make them less willing to show up every day yeah so a lot of the times what happens is we craft a plan and then things don't go according to plan and it's hard to pivot and deviate and so that's something that has to be talked through and with this particular client like that's kind of what was the struggle it was like okay well if i we, we outlined this great feeling strategy but this X, Y, Z happened, I wasn't feeling X, Y, Z, then what? You know, so it's this continual process of understanding this will be trial and error, and we're really going to have to get in tune with what your body is telling you. How are you tolerating the foods we're picking? How are you tolerating the meal composition? How do we need to continue to fine tune this timing? All of that is important. And one of the biggest things like we're working through, I've got a couple of clients now working on mass gaining, is how can we increase calories without increasing the volume of food because it leads to some GI stuff? It makes how, how do we make that easier? Um, that's a big thing. And then having go-to recipes that, you know, that was our next step of when I don't want to think about food, when I'm overwhelmed and things have derailed, what can I eat that's just going to be simple for me to grab? And I think like putting that plan in place where it was like, all right, I have plan B, C, and D. And just honestly, it's so much mindset. It's talking through, it's talking through that whole process of just being okay with the fact that this isn't going to stick the first time. It never does. Whether it's weight loss or weight gain, it's never, it's very rare, I should say. It's very rare for this to just like stick and be easy. You're going to hit these like trigger points and things are going to get hard and you need to know how to become adaptable. And it's just like talking through that with a client and like working through it so that they understand how to adapt. And in the beginning, it's always like a lot of handholding. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then you see them kind of spread their wings as time goes on and they understand what needs to be done. Cool. Awesome. I don't know if that answered your question at all. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I'm trying it, to be arbitrary did. and not to just like specifically talk about one person. But like that was the. the yeah, I mean, because I think I think it's obviously the answer is like it depends right because someone it might just be like i just hate eating broccoli and it's like oh okay we'll try this other thing and, it, and then it's perfect right they, that's all they needed but some other people it's like hey i'm eating 500 calories more than i 
am used to. And that's very difficult for whatever reason. So I, that was a perfect answer. <laughs> Great answer. I think the bottom so line now, on that, um, I'm sorry, Nicole, but I just want to add no, 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 the bottom ahead. line on that <laughs> for everyone is to cut off, done now. Um, it, it's just, it's so individual, right? That's yeah. the point of work with somebody who can help you navigate that mm -hmm. because you may not know what the right switch is from what you're doing that's not working. And I see it so many times where folks are like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm just going to force myself in that box and I will just suffer through it. And I will just willpower the shit out of this. And it's just going to happen. And then we do that for a little bit. And then we're miserable. And then we fall off whatever plan we were on. The goal is not to willpower your way through it. The goal is to adjust the plan to you, not you adjust to the plan. So the, it's just like, it's like, uh, like Brooke said, it's trial and error. We just figure it out until we figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that y'all keep bringing up the focus of that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, working together and like tailoring that plan to the person. Because even with one of my clients, they had brought up that, you know, they had seen a commercial of, you know, a popular fad diet, whatever. And they were frustrated because they were making it look so easy. And they were like asking questions of like what the difference was with working one-on-one -on -one with me and then just doing that. And I'm just like, Working one-on-one -on -one with a coach allows that coach to dive into everything that makes you, you. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to be able to know all of those details because this is not a one size fits all approach, no matter, you know, what, like what population you're helping, like what your niche is. So I love that y'all keep bringing that up. But mm -hmm. now that we know that like that plan is so important and there's so many details that go into it, let's kind of talk about that like is it possible to gain muscle while also in a calorie deficit Ooh, the the million dollar question <laughs> um i'm gonna let ro tackle the is it possible from a physiological perspective here's what i'm gonna say from my experience it's really really freaking hard um because yeah. you're kind of talking out of two ends of your brain right like we're saying we're gonna be in a surplus to gain but we're gonna be in a deficit to lose and we're gonna do that mm -hmm. at the same time it's you know there's like the math is the math you need extra in order to build i always tell people it's like building a house you can't build a house without brick or wood or wherever you're building your house. If you're not supplying the build site with bricks to build the house, how are you going to build the house, right? It's the same thing. So you're either tearing down or you're adding. So if I have somebody that wants to increase lean muscle mass or lean mass in general, let me be specific from what Rose said earlier, not necessarily lean muscle mass, lean mass in general, um, but at the same time, reduce fat mass, I kind of like them to hang out somewhere around maintenance. And we just really push that muscle demand. We just really make sure we're actually stressing the system enough to encourage gain and growth but i'm not going to put them in a massive deficit because how are we going to build the house yeah yeah a little upset kirsten stole my analogy because it's such a good one oh, right? dang. like like Sorry. you're right like more lumber means a bigger house like that's it <laughs> i mean that's it that's the easiest way to think about it um the answer is like is it possible like yes, uh, especially if you are a like I talk about a newer person who's like I've never touched a weight before, but I'm gonna make all these changes. I'm gonna start following some random program I found. That's something new, right? It's a it's a good enough stimulus for your body to be like, oh shit, we need muscle now. Like we've never needed this, but cool. Let's put some of our energy towards this. And again, that person is gonna be like, oh, like I. I haven't changed any of my eating habits. I haven't cut anything, but now I'm losing weight and I'm getting stronger and blah, 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 all this stuff. 
but that's because like it's just so new and it's so different than what you're used to that that's how your body responds to to anything if there's a stress it'll try its best to overcome it uh is it optimal no especially if you are someone who is not new and i'm talking about like if if you have been training anywhere from like i'll say like six months to a year and forward then these newbie gains like are not coming at the same rate like you have to now start eating more um you know I like how you talked about talking out of two heads because muscle is metabolically demanding and and so is fat, you know, uh, like holding adipose tissue does require energy, but not to the same amount that muscle does. So if you're like, hey, we're going to limit the energy, but still somehow have enough energy to not only keep the muscle alive, but to try and build on it, it doesn't make much sense. Um, And it's like, it's like a budget, right? You only have so much money. And if you only have enough money to pay rent and buy your food, then why are you trying to add on to the house? Or why, you know what I mean? And like, that that's just how, how it is. Um, granted, if you see someone who is able to do this, then there's a very good chance that they are on performance enhancers. Maybe it's SARMs, maybe it's tests, maybe it's Clenbuterol, like whatever it is, like it's not, a a natural thing to be happening unless things are super 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 dialed in that's that person's job it's their livelihood and even then if they are a natural athlete and they're working with the best people and they have it all figured out it's not going to come where it's you know five ten pounds in a year it's going to be much lower than that especially because those people tend to have trained a lot longer um so yeah it's like something that you shouldn't try to do and i love what you said about keeping the person at maintenance because then you can be like hey like at least we're being fed any of the extra is theoretically going to the muscle building process um but you know if you're if your body's trying hard to survive then it's going to be like i don't need this fucking muscle what am i what do i need this for right well and then we also you know we're not even touching on this but then you end up in the injury camp too right i have i have somebody with me right now where that was there's a goal for a performance output And she also wanted to be in a weight loss state. And we just had Mm -hmm. to have that conversation. And she just came off a bunch of injuries a year ago that required surgery and all sorts of stuff. And we just had to have that honest conversation of what's the immediate goal? Like, what are we after right now? You have this event coming up. There's an output requirement for this event. This is what you're after. Is the weight loss right now a massive goal? And again, weight loss to me always gets, I always tell people weight is your relationship with gravity at this moment in time. It tells you nothing about the composition of your body. And the second you drink eight ounces of water, your relationship with gravity has changed. It's a a pointless, arbitrary number, right? So we Mm -hmm. have to have that hardcore conversation of what's your goal? What are you after? That's what we need to feed, no pun intended, but that's what we need to feed, whatever that goal is. And then those other things come later as different goals, but you can't have two competing goals at the same time and expect successful outcome for both. It just won't happen. Something's got to give metabolically. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And then even, even like moving away from the physiology of it, like we've already talked about how it's very difficult, if not near impossible, but like mentally, right. You're like, like, I think you, you mentioned that is that if you wake up thinking I'm trying to lose weight and then you're going into the gym being like, I'm trying to perform as best as possible. And then you go home and I'm trying to be the best parent and it's just way too much fucking work, you know. Focus on one thing. It's exhausting. Time. Yeah, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> Imagine having kids. Couldn't be me right now. I guess. 
<laughs> I was just going to say, if you do have kids, please make that one a priority. The parenting part is required daily, Never. just FYI. <laughs> I think I think TV, TV Tito uh, broke calling them those things, right? That was back in episode Those things. Nine. That was. That was when I was- Keep those things, things alive. No, that was, those I think, the summit. Oh, well, oh, was the summit? That's right, yeah. People got a kick out of that. <laughs> I just can't relate. Yeah, so that things. was my summary. It's like just, yeah, those same. things are really I lo- important. I love those things. I do love those things. They are very important. They're all still alive, just so you know. That's good. It's amazing. Yeah. It's seriously. But uh, I'm also not currently trying to gain mass and lose weight at the same time. So we're good. Yeah, I'm managing. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, Ro, tell us a little bit more about the programming side. Is there cardio involved when you're trying to build mass? What does it look like? Are you just straightly like, lifting heavy shit 24 seven. What are you doing? Yeah. You, you have to sleep with a barbell and it's, <laughs> it's like osmosis. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think about, uh, I think about this question a lot, mostly because a lot of people ask it, but there's, there's a guy I went to grad school with, um, who was a, uh, he was a, I guess a student of mine, a student worker of mine, but he was also in the program. And, and this guy was, you know, he was going through a, he, he had moved from a different country and he was, he was here and, so like, you know, his, his socioeconomic status was not a good one, even like in Mississippi. But I remember, uh, he had showed up to work like late or something. And I was like, Hey, like what's going on? And he's like, well, I have to take the bus and the bus, the buses in Starkville suck. I think I've never been on them, but like, I know that they're, they're horrible. Um, and I was like, cool. Like, well, like, what if we like get you a bike or just like give you something to allow you to come to work? Like we can all pitch in. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, every employee gives five bucks, not a huge deal. And he was like, yeah, the only problem with that is that like, he's like, I don't have the, the energy to come to school then. And I was like, I don't understand. And you know, he was not in a place where like he, he was like barely affording food to like survive. And so when he would like talk about, you know, exercise and whatnot, he was like, no, like I, I can't, exercise because like then I go home and I'm hungry and then I can't come to work and so like that that is very real right like mass gaining was nowhere in his mind because he was in that survival mode of like I just got to get through these two years of being here and then from there we'll figure it out I saw a picture of him recently and the dude I'm not saying he's jacked but he's like way bigger than he was before he's out there living his best fucking life he's doing awesome because like he has a job now. He's like, a, he's not a poor grad student who is like, can afford food. And now he like loves to exercise again because that's what he wanted to do. He just, he physically could not afford to do it. And so because he's fueled now, he's like, fuck yeah, I'm doing resistance training. I'm doing all this, blah, blah, blah. So I just wanted to like, you know, throw that out there because like, those are things you have to think about. And because the the question that we always think about when it comes to mass gaining is like, you know, does cardio kill gains and it's like life can kill gains you know what i mean it's it's that simple if you are not fueling properly then you cannot expect to be getting bigger or stronger or faster uh, specifically in this podcast bigger right because you do need energy to survive and work and do other things so if you are at that that deficit it's not going to happen which is what we've talked about ad nauseum but Throw in cardio, right? Someone who is, you know, lives a normal life, blah, blah, blah. Well, if I do cardio, it's going to kill my gains, right? Like there's there's some premise to that. Like, you know, one being like if you are on a tight calorie budget, then yeah, it, your main focus is 
uh, hypertrophy, then maybe don't do cardio because if that is your top, top goal, you don't care about cardio right now or you have healthy, you know, cardiovascular system, then maybe it makes sense. Um, if you're using like the physiology to kind of be lazy uh, or try to get away from that, um, if you're running away from running, um, that's a bad thing because like, does it kill gains? No, but does it blunt gains? Like, yes, but only for a little bit. I think we talked about this in an earlier episode, um, the cardio and resistance training, whenever I had talked about like some of the research I'd done, uh, like cardio is really just like making your heart work harder, right? So you can do that with resistance training. So even when you are lifting, even if it's like bodybuilding work, like slow, higher volume stuff, you are, you are stressing the heart. So you are getting some cardio work. Um, and so I don't want to confuse that with like people who are like, well, I'm talking about like walking on the treadmill for an hour after or doing sprints or, you know, something else. Um, but understand that like those two, those two things are dictated by different pathways. Now, one pathway is the PTC1 alpha path, pathway that mostly involves cardiovascular adaptations. And the other one is mTOR, which mostly involves um, muscular adaptations. And so, you know, the, the stress that you place upon it is going to dictate where it goes. So if you're doing cardio, PGC1 alpha, mostly activated. If you're doing resistance training, mTOR is activated. Um, when you do cardio, uh, this, this, I think it's an enzyme. I always forget the technical words. Um, AMPK, uh, yeah, it's a kinase, so it's an enzyme, uh, does increase. And so it's like the main energy sensor. And it makes sense. If we're doing a lot of work, right, the energy sensor is saying, whoa, we're depleting energy. Like, Let's cut off trying to build mass right now because we just need to think about continuing to do work. So we're going to block TSC1 and 2, and that's going to block mTOR. But like people act like this, like it blocks it for all day or like it's going to totally mess up all the gains that you made after your training session. And it's not. It's it's activated for a little bit. But then when we do take muscle biopsies in, in different time points, it does go down while mTOR still stays up. So when we think about that, you should be doing cardio, even if just to keep your heart healthy, right? As much as I hate to say it, you know, I love not doing cardio. It's great. And lately, I've actually been on a bit of a cardio kick, but this is I... not the news I wanted. Kirsten's no, over know, here right? like, this is the best. No, this is not the news but, I wanted. Cardio is well, amazing. Come we, to we, the running side. We hiked, well, definitely don't do that. Uh, but like we hiked do Cathedral it. Rock and it was like my first, and it's not a big hike, but it was my first hike in a while. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm much heavier than I was when I last we did like a hike with like a big hike like that which was like a year ago because i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna mask in for a whole year i got nowhere else to be and i was like <laughs> oh fuck. i had to mute the video because all you heard was like <sighs> and that's when i was like shit all right i gotta <laughs> i gotta focus just a little bit more on this but uh you know it, it's it's not something that you should that should take away if your main goal is gains if you are trying to get better you should do, they're trying to get bigger. You should do it if only because it helps the recovery process. It allows you to come back day after day and put in more work because you can recover a lot better if your heart is healthier at rest, if, you know, the your, your body is able to vasodilate better so you can push nutrients out 
You can push nutrients into your muscle more effectively. So if for no other reason it's going to make your lifting better, that's why you should do it. Um, it's not gonna really kill your gains. So don't focus on that too much. Um, but if you are crazy or have a bad coach or maybe are just misguided, doing three to four hours of cardio a day is going to kill your gains, right? So there is like a limit here. But if you're like, hey, I just want to be on the treadmill for like half an hour to an hour afterwards, and that's not going to make a huge difference. Now, is it optimal? No, because we've talked about how cardio can uh, blunt the mTOR response. So if you if you just love it or you want to do it for whatever reasons, try to do that on a different day. Or if you lift in the mornings and you have time at night, do your cardio at night uh, at a you know at a time where it's furthest from the lifting so that it doesn't mess with you know that that mTOR process. Um, but if your nutrition and sleep and everything is totally dialed in, like I don't even know if that makes a difference. Like if you're if you're a hundred percent, you know, which is very unlikely, but but if you are, uh, I don't I don't know to what effect cardio directly after would even have. Um, but yeah, so that's like the again the the long answer. Cardio is not something you have to do. You probably should do it for your own health. Um, but it won't affect gains unless you do it like way, way, way too much and you're underfed. Bro, I want to jump on something that um, we talked about when we did that Fit Mind and Body Summit, when you mm -hmm. came on to help me and Brooke out with that. And you had mentioned, because again, I do have a lot of endurance folks with me and we had that question come up for the folks that do have to do them from a time constraint perspective or whatever at yep. the same time, right? It has to be, I have this hour and a half and I'm totally that person because I'm that person who runs four days a week just because I love it, bro. And I wish you would learn to love it because you can't. <laughs> um, once, once you hit the seven mile mark, that's the magic number. I'll never hit um, the seven mile mark ever. That's, and that's, that's the problem for most people. Most people Asking don't, a lot. once you do, you never look back. Um, that, that's why not everybody gets there. But the point is, so if I'm running four days a week, right, but I also lift five days a week because I love that just as passionately. We had talked about that during the summit with a lot of folks. The question was, what do I do first? And your response was sort of whichever one you're trying to emphasize most, right? Yeah. Because you're trying to make sure you have the energy to do what you're really trying to put your effort toward. So if mm -hmm. you're currently trying to really improve your, not even necessarily mass gains, but your strength and those kind of things, then focus on your resistance first. If you're really trying to push the mileage or your endurance or your speed, then do the cardio first because you're going to fatigue on whichever one you're doing first. Is that kind of where your head's at on that? Yeah, yeah. And and if you're fatigued, then, then you do half-ass effort, right? Like if you come in right. fresh and you're like, my main thing is I want to see how high I can jump, then do that first after a warm-up. Right. But if, if you run sprints and then get on the elliptical and then lift and you're like, oh, I wonder how high I can jump. Yeah, of course, that's not going to be your best jump. So definitely focusing on uh, whatever is most important first is is the best way to go about um, to go about really succeeding in any of your goals, right? It doesn't make sense on the right. flip side. If I know we're not going to get into this, but if you want to run a faster mile uh, that day and you're like, well, don't go lift go a bunch like... of stuff first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but that that's a great way to think about it and how it's, it is, it is just that easy sometimes, you know, focus on that first. What, when are you going to come running with me, bro? Uh, please do it and record all of it, please. please. <laughs> Absolutely not. I did bike. Speaking of today, mics, we'll have the different. mic on during that. 
Uh, yeah, I don't yes, care. The whole, it's going to be a podcast. All you're hearing is... <laughs> it's just going to be row dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing else. And they're like, Bro wow, you're at mile 12? Like, no, he just walked down the driveway to get onto the road. So. I'm sure, though, there's like a Patreon niche for that, that you'd be all... Somewhere, you got that like, covered. Someone listen to me die running. I, I mean, at least if, if someone paid me x amount of a month to run then i would think about it you know so if you're any of if you're one of those weirdos and you want to start a patreon to listen to me run have at it hit me up oh my god <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, awesome. this would be how ro makes money <laughs> oh man yeah just all the weirdos the asmr <laughs> except like <laughs> with running yeah it's hustle That's i'm awesome. hustling <laughs> Oh, well, I loved learning about this because I definitely don't have as much exposure to it. So thank you all for all your knowledge. And especially you, Kirsten, thank you so much for coming on again and sharing your expertise in this area. Um, What are you up to these days? Where can people find you, work with you? What's going on? Yeah, thanks for having me back, you guys. It's always super fun. I need to listen to... um, I need to listen to the episode from, I think you recorded last week with the whiskey. I hear there was an incident. I need to listen to it. Um, oh, so boy. speaking of what am, what am I up to? That will be the next thing I'm up to is listening to that episode. Um, but I am still seeing clients. One-on-one coaching is what I do. I work with a lot of endurance athletes. I know Ro loves that, but I also work with like you know resistance athletes. athletes. <laughs> Say, if you, you love endurance athletes, that's good. I'm actually I working with them. They're athletes, are, you know? <laughs> There you go. That are um, training for the Ironman right now uh, in Chattanooga. So down the road from you, Nicole. I'm super excited about that. Mm, um, yeah. So I am seeing clients. I'm on a temporary wait list because I'm kind of at capacity, which is fantastic. But I always enjoy having new folks come on board. So if you're at all interested, mid to late April, I should have some spots open up. So if anybody's interested, please head to my website at yourfitnessdietitian.com. Let me know you want to chat about stuff. We can always talk through what you're what you're looking for. Um, and you can also hit me up on Instagram. I'm at your fitness dietitian and let's connect. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I know like I used to be into not like super long distance running. I've only ran (laughs) half marathons. So that's long distance. That counts. (laughs) Yes. But it counts. (laughs) Yes. And so I still have like a lot of running friends and um, I love, you know, hearing them talk about it in the sport. So, um, I think it's really awesome what you do. And, um, so many people who are runners would benefit from having that, that support. So I would definitely recommend oh, thanks, reaching out Nicole. to Kirsten. For sure. Yay. Thank yeah. you. So Ro and I are still accepting new clients as well. Ro is the master of all exercise and performance. And then I am that intuitive eating health at every size dietitian. Brooke is our dietitian dietitian that specializes in athletic performance and body recomposition. You can also join her wait list to work with her for one-on-one nutrition counseling and coaching. Um, follow us at the health unfiltered pod on Instagram and keep those questions of the week coming. Please rate us, share us, um, all the things, leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast and only if it's nice. Thanks everybody. What? (laughs) She said only if it's nice. Yeah, that's true. I'm deleting all the bad ones. (laughs) Don't leave mean comments. We ain't got time for that. Um, no trolls, no trolls. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening, listening, tuning in and um, supporting us as we continue this podcast journey. But 
Brooke, go ahead and lead us out. Yes. Cue the music. <laughs> Her favorite right. job. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>